want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. What is up, guys? James Gutman here on My Pod. I'm Dad. Welcome back to another edition of the show. It is mid-February. It is 2022. Holy cow. It sounds futuristic. If you are a, an 80s, 90s, last millennial kid like me, 2022 sounds ridiculous. It sounds like a ridiculously future year, but we're in it. So welcome. Thank you for joining me. You may have found me on any streaming service. I'm everywhere. Everywhere. Look around. Turn around. Behind you. There I am. Um, or you may have found me on HighPodOnDad.com. Wherever you found me, please like, subscribe, hit that bell. Judge, I don't know. Drop it out. Whatever they do. They do all these different things when you're on social media or all these platforms or streaming. So whatever you can do that would benefit this podcast, please do it. I appreciate it. Thank you. I do it for you. If you had a podcast, I would like it and I would hit the bell and I would do all that stuff. So um, I don't know. Return the favor. Come on. Be cool. This is actually the second opening I recorded. Sometimes I like to tell you guys that. Uh, it's been a real, um, I don't know, sometimes you have those mental health days, weeks, months, whatever it is. Uh, and it helps me to come on here and just kind of talk at you. So I did that yesterday and it was helpful and I'm deleting that. now. <laughs> so it's good to come back on here talk a little bit about some of the stuff we've been doing this week. I had two blogs go up this week. As you guys know, we just passed the five-year anniversary of High Blog I'm Dad. Every Monday and every Wednesday since February of 2017, I have been posting content. And it's been exciting. It's been great. It's been wonderful to have a chance to talk to you guys about you know, both my kids, my neurotypical 13-year-old, my nonverbal 10-year-old with autism, talk about my life, mental health, heart health, positivity, humor, all sorts of stuff. And this week I was excited because I got to write something on Wednesday that combined a lot of these topics that I like to discuss. And it was an article about accepting my son's nonverbal autism through humor and honesty was the name of it. And this one was, it was fun to write because it's a topic that I think is hard for people to express. And the reason why is because for a lot of people, you know, autism, being nonverbal, or any, you know, quote unquote disability that somebody would have is taboo to the world, right? My son doesn't speak. He has autism. He's 10 years old. There's life skills that he still has not reached that, you know, he should have reached by now. And then I'm, I'm working with him on, and it's going to be a while. And there are definite moments now and in the future that are going to be difficult for us to have to handle. I get that. And I've written about that too. I had one called Let Me Smile in Peace. And it was a blog post about how eventually there's going to be things I'm going to have to deal with. But right now I'm cool. Let me be cool or happy. So I get all that and people are aware of it. They're keenly aware of it when they see him and they know about all the struggles. It's front and center. Most of the blogs that you read um, or that I had read, I should say, before beginning my blog all centered around the toughness, these horrible, heart-wrenching pieces about 
you know, oh my God, I remember when, when he was first being kind of diagnosed and reading this article about this mother and the song, Say Something, I'm Giving Up On You, and how it has a new meaning, and she imagines herself one day grabbing him by the shirt and screaming, say something, because I have to check you into a, a facility to care for you, and I want you to live with me, say something, I feel like I'm giving up on you, and I'm like, holy crap, I'm reading this thing, like, what? This is just ripping my heart out, you know? Which I guess it helped her, made her feel good, I don't know who it was, I can't even remember it at this point, but it's, it didn't help me, man. I'm just finding out my son has nonverbal autism and I'm reading how it destroyed this woman. So I'm like, all right, good. The road to destruction. I'm excited. That was hard. And that's out there. That's people get that. People get that, the misery aspect. People who see my son and don't know him and don't have that in their own life see something that I would imagine to them could sometimes be jarring, you know? He's sweet. You see the pictures of him. He's a handsome little guy. I'm looking at this picture right now from Wednesday of him smiling. I love that picture. Um, but if you were to meet him, you know, Lucas yelps and screams out. He's excited. He's mellow most of the time, but a lot of his interactions with people can be, you know, it's glaring. Like you meet him and you immediately know that he's nonverbal with autism. There's no sense of like, oh, I didn't realize. No, they, you get it right away. You understand. And I know that people see that, and that's right there for everybody. But what they don't seem to get is that for us, this is our lives. Would it have been different if he became nonverbal with autism when he was like five? And he, before that, it had just been a neurotypical upbringing? Maybe. I don't know. But I know with him, he's been like this the whole time. This has been my son, and it's become something that we love about him, right? There are frustrations at times with different parts of it, as there are frustrations with my daughter, who's you know, just a 13-year-old girl going to middle school, living life. She does things sometimes. I'm just like, what are you doing? You know, parenting is frustration. It's frustration mixed with reward and love and all that stuff. So he has all that. He has the frustration, but he also has the reward and the love. And of course, the humor, man. Just like I, you know, we, we in a family, I don't say make fun. That's not really the right term. But like we, we joke with each other. We have a sense of comfort and familiarity and, and these different things. And the fact that he is nonverbal with autism, the fact that it's part of his personality means that it's a part of that. But it's hard to write about that because you don't want to be offensive and you know people are reading it a certain way. We don't make fun of each other in a family. Just like you know, my son's autism, anything with my daughter, we don't make fun of each other. We don't call names. We don't mock. We don't put down. But there's humor in everything in a family. You want to make light of things. If you have a brother who's obsessed with baseball, you make jokes about him being obsessed with baseball. So we do the same thing. Now, the one that I wrote on Wednesday with, with my son was about when he was first being diagnosed with autism and it was starting to become clear that he was nonverbal. He was getting old enough that it was starting to stand out a little bit. And before that, it had been in secret. You know, It had been one of these things that we felt uneasy about that we were like, I don't talk about it, you know. And try to hide it. And I remember when I became okay with it. And we were at a friend's house, and it was her husband, you know, it was a friend of my ex wife. I was told that we're, and we're hanging out, and he's like, Is he talking to you? Is he saying words? I didn't like this guy, by the way. You know, didn't hate, I mean, he wasn't saying it rude. He was just asking me a question. So it wasn't like I was emotionally even invested in the conversation. I'm just watching TV. So, is he saying words yet? Is he talking? 
And I'm like, yeah, not yet, but you know, it's 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 political. And he's like, political. And I had said to him, uh, yeah, he decided not to speak until the voices of all impoverished and disenchanted peoples are heard by those in power who oppress their human rights. It's really like a global movement, you know. He's passionate about it. He stared at me, confused, and I I was kind of like. We're proud of him. It was a big decision. Silence. I finally like, thought, dude, he's nonverbal. He doesn't talk. I'm, I'm messing with you. You know. It made me laugh. He wasn't expecting it. Nobody expects it when you have a child who's nonverbal. They expect you to be crying all the time. They expect you to be really upset. And I wasn't. It's part of our lives. It's our family, and we. That's how you know you're comfortable with something. I never liked that. I've I've had moments in my life. This family, the last one, the one before that, whatever family it was, where there were things that aren't talked about and everybody would get quiet. Just kind of stare at somebody, you know? You bring up something. Somebody's, you know, unmarried or, you know, doesn't have children, like something. There's something that, that's a glaring thing to everybody else. Or everybody's talking trash or talking about this one person behind their back, and it's brought up at a Thanksgiving and everybody gets quiet and doesn't know what to say. <laughs> it's awkward and sucks. We don't do that. We don't do that with Lucas at all. It's been funny, man. I, I, my favorite story, and I've told it on here before, and I'm going to tell you again because you're listening to the episode and it has to do with the episode. So um, if you've heard it before, I apologize. I love this story. It was two houses ago, and I was in my home office on the phone with Verizon trying to fix a problem with my internet, right? So I'm on the phone with the Verizon guy. And my son is in the living room screeching, man. Like this was, he was younger. When he was younger, he used to have a lot more energy. I mean, he has a lot of energy now too. But like back then he was like, you just wind him up, let him go. He's in the living room screeching with his iPad. And I'm annoyed with the Verizon guy because I want this thing fixed. It's not being fixed. So I'm talking to him. And as, as we're talking, you know, he's like, he's like yeah, he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check into this for you. And my son is screeching far off in the background and the guy goes hey um in the middle of t- talking about verizon he goes hey do you have birds and i'm like uh no no i don't have birds anyway so listen i'm, I'm loading it up the thing's not i'm explaining to him now what's happening i'm trying to brush past his birds nonsense because i know what he's talking about so now he's like all right well hang on one second let me put the request in and he's typing and there's quiet and my son is screeching in the back and the verizon guy goes are you sure you don't have birds? And I went, no, dude, that's my son. He's nonverbal with autism. He's screaming in the other room. And then there was silence from both of us. <laughs> and I went, are you almost done, bro? And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, 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 sorry. Just kept typing. I laughed in my head. I thought that was funny. Because that blew him away. Like, there was no, you don't know if you've offended somebody or what you've done or whatever, but I always thought that was something. Like, are you sure? You're like, I forgot I had birds. Oh, yeah, no, I forgot I have like 12 birds inside. No, I know what I, my house is. I don't have any birds. Like, I don't know why that was so important. I don't know, and I really, to this day, I've thought about this. I really want to know like what he was going to tell me if I did have birds. Is there something to that? You know? Yeah, I have birds. <gasps> I'm the editor of Bird Magazine. Like, I don't know what he would have told me that would have been, <laughs> that would have needed to know this information from me. I wasn't, uh, I never found out, unfortunately, but yeah, man, it's, it's life. It's a part of our lives. 
we have this one thing, you know, sometimes my son, as I said before, he yells out and he, he'll scream or shout. And sometimes it resembles words. Sometimes he's just yelling so much or making noises so much that it sounds like a word, but it's not. And I always try to like jump on that. Like he's big on like, he'll just be hanging out. I'll be like, da, 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 da. I'm like, are you saying daddy, daddy, daddy? Look at me. Say dad. Then he, of course he won't do it anymore. He like does these like vocal gymnastics where he likes to flex his voice and it's great. And you encourage that and you want him to do that. But sometimes it, it resembles a word. My daughter and I were, I think, watching television and he was in the room with us playing with Scout. You guys know Scout? He's that little green dog. You program him to say your name. Scout knows that his name is Lucas and he likes chicken nuggets. So he'll be like, hi, Lucas. Do you like chicken nuggets? And Lucas likes to take his hand because there's a button on the hand and he pushes the, the hand against the floor over and over and over again until he gets to certain parts that he likes. And it's cute. And I always liked it. And I always thought it was interesting how he figured that out. Like he didn't, he doesn't like to press the button, but he'll push the, the hand on the floor and that'll press the button. And I think it's, it's kind of an ingenious thing. And he was in the room with us and Scout goes, hi, Lucas, will you give me a hug? And Lucas went, no. And it was so deep and so pronounced. And my daughter and I both broke out into hysterics because it was so like perfect. And that's what I'm saying, man. I don't want in my life, and I don't want anybody listening to this who's going through the same thing, to have a life where you where you say ignore it, but autism shouldn't be a touchy subject. Autism shouldn't be something that we hide. It shouldn't be something that makes everybody at the table go quiet. It's a part of us. It's a part of him. And it's a part of the reason why we love him. So to not address it and to not find the humor in it and to not, I don't know, acknowledge it, it's like not acknowledging a part of him. So it was important for me to write this piece. It was important for me to share these stories because I think a lot of times we we misunderstand what it can be. Like you can laugh about things and make them a part of your life without making it an object of ridicule or a joke or something like that. And I think that's the that's the issue. And the one that I wrote on Monday kind of goes hand in hand with this because Monday was the flip side. Monday was rougher parts of having a child who's nonverbal with autism. And it was called When My Special Needs Child Regresses. And that was the piece that I wrote. And this was important because I don't really talk about this that much, regression. And it's something that every kind of special needs parent, a lot of autism parents deal with. And they don't talk about it. And it goes back to, I'd written one a few weeks ago about uh, transitions, which I was surprised that people didn't, I didn't think about it, but that's something that's kind of an exclusive thing for a lot of special needs parents. My son sometimes has trouble going from one place to the other. It causes him anxiety, it causes him an issue. And a lot of people weren't aware of it. And I think regressions also do the same thing. Regression is when your child suddenly stops progressing in an area or with a skill and goes backwards almost. And it sucks and it's scary and it's worrisome. And I've dealt with it. I've dealt with it. And I got to be honest with you too, because I do like to point these out sometimes. I, I've dealt with it on a lesser level than some people have dealt with. And I'll tell you what I'm talking about. During COVID, we had to go and I don't say protest, but we went to this like, there was a politician who was speaking and they were trying to get the special needs kids back into school just a few months after COVID had started. COVID was March. And we were trying to reinstate the summer program for our kids. 
his class is much smaller than other classes. It's like six kids to eight kids, right? And there's like, there's more aides than there are kids. Um, and he doesn't, he doesn't do remote learning. Doesn't work like that. Even the masks, like I'm not a big, like, take the masks off. I'm not one of those dudes. But for speech, it's hard too, man. These people, they have to get the masks that have like the window on it because the kids have to see the tongue and all that stuff. So there's a lot of stuff that he was doing at home that didn't really make sense, didn't help. And I wanted him back in school. It was a big deal for us. And I watched a news broadcast about this. And they had kids who had regressed, but their regressions were that they were like hitting themselves and they were, you know, causing pain to themselves. And it was heartbreaking to watch these kids, you know, do this. Thankfully, Lucas hasn't really done that. We've had moments where, you know, he'll get upset and, you know, hit his head or something. I don't want that to happen. And those sometimes happen during, you know, really stressful moments. He's not really big on that. It's not his thing. But he'll suddenly stop doing something. He'll suddenly not sleep through the night anymore, which is kind of what we're dealing with now. We went from, he's been great with sleeping through the night. Now it's like a 4 a.m. every day. And I got to like kind of fight him to go back to sleep. Not fight him to go back to sleep. But I have to get up out of bed. And I hate this because I could see him from my bed. I have it set up where my bed is across from his room. My door's open. His door's open. He's got the gate on the, on the door so he doesn't run away. And he gets up and he stands there at four o'clock in the morning like, hey, I'm up. And, he, and he's doing the hand signal like, can I have the iPad? And I'm like, no, dude, no iPad. And that's a rule. Even on the weekend, I want him to go back to bed at least until five. And if he can't sleep, just kind of lay in bed and relax. 4 a.m. is too early. It throws off the whole day. But what he'll do is he'll stand there at the gate and he won't go back into his bed. He'll bang on the gate. And I'm sitting there in bed and I'm pointing. I'm like, go back. To, go. Dude, go. To, go. Lay down. No, doesn't do it. I have to actually get out of the bed and start walking towards the gate. And then he'll go back to bed. And it's like his goal is to get me to walk at four o'clock in the morning. So I'm like, dude, what do you want? And I go, what do you want? As I'm walking towards him, he just goes back to bed. And I'm like, I'm like, that it? That's what you wanted? That's a regression. Um, accidents. That's a regression. Um, food, how he handles food can be a regression. And we've dealt with that where suddenly he's not doing something that he was doing. And it sucks for parents in this position because my goal, and we don't talk about it a lot here because this is the polar opposite of the opening segment here today. The goal is to make sure that when he's an adult, when he has a mustache, as I like to say, he's able to do as much as possible. He can do these life skills. Nobody has to feed him at 20. That's my goal. So as I teach him and as he learns these things and you start checking them off your list, you get excited. Okay, this is good. This is going to be all right. And then when he doesn't do it and now he's older, that freaks you out. And that freaks me out. And there's definitely times with his regressions where I worry. I worry he's not going to do it. I worry that he's not going to retain it. And the first few times that it happened with different things that he was doing, and eventually he gets back. Sometimes he gets back to where he was and we have to work again, focus on it. There's a couple of things we're doing that right now. Um, so it's not like it's gone forever. But the first few times where it happened, I used to get really worried. You get worried about that. And you're like, oh my God, what did I do? Did I not foster this enough and sometimes it's possible right if you teach your kid to do something out of routine and then they do it and then you drop the routine and they stop doing it that's you know everybody's at fault for that but then sometimes it just happens like he's just like i don't i'm not gonna do this anymore he just stops and i i used to worry and i used to be concerned about it and then i learned that you just gotta you know pull your socks up or i don't, I don't even know that's a phrase pull your socks up and get on down the road whatever the phrase is uh you just gotta like you know start all over again. 
And you got to do that. And that's pretty much the, I said, the only constant is that we never stop trying. And that's the truth. Like we never stop trying to get him to where he needs to be because that's my job. I'm a parent, not just a special needs parent or autism parent. I'm just a parent. And that's what I need to do. So I do that for him. Uh, I love him. I love both my kids, Ben. And that's, I think that's at the end of the day, this week and the theme of the blog, I love my kids. My kids mean the world to me. And I want my son and I want my daughter to really have um, the best life they can. And I want to be a part of that. I want to I want to be one of the reasons why that is. I want to make them feel better. I've I've helped my daughter in ways and I've helped my son in ways. You guys know my cat just died or you know the cat that my daughter pretty much took care of. It was in the other house. I had had the cat for you know 14 15 years before I moved out. The last year she's been in another house. I literally just reunited with the cat. And my daughter, you know, when the cat passed away was with me. She had just come over for the this four day stretch of of dad dad house, you know, and I did everything I could to make her feel better, and that's what I wanted to do. And I think by the end, I I really I accomplished it, and I was proud of myself in the same ways that I'm proud of myself when I help my son do something and get to another level. They're very different, but they're both my kids, and my job is to make them as well adjusted as possible in a world where everybody's messed up around them. You know what I mean? You do all this stuff to make your kids better and then you send them out into the world with like nutcases. And I, I do that with him and I do that with her in different ways, but it happens. And that's my job. That's your job. If you're a parent listening to this, if you're not a parent listening to this, maybe one day you will be. And when you are, that's your job. You want anything that your kids deal with negatively to be something that you weren't a part of. You want to be the positive influence in their life because they remember that you're put under a microscope. And at the end of the day, everything you do is so important. It is for me. You know what though? Having these kids makes me feel old. Do you feel old? Let's feel old. Am, could you come in here and have a seat, please? Um, yeah. Vanessa, shut the door. Okay. Let's get old. Let's feel old. Let's be old together because this year, I think a lot of people felt old after the old Super Bowl. Not a, not the kind of time where you want to have your age on display, but it's funny because you go online and you read the memes about why you should feel old after the Super Bowl. And it was because the halftime show was you know Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Fiddy, hardcore rappers from days gone by, I guess you could say, uh, People I love, man. I came up, I was in college listening to Eminem's Marshall Mathers LP, listening to the new one, amazing stuff, great stuff. Dr. Dre, of course, when I was a kid, it was a huge deal. Snoop Dogg, all that stuff. And the joke was, if you go on, I guess it was on Instagram where I first saw it, that most people were watching the Super Bowl and thinking to themselves, oh, nice, they don't have old people this year. It's not like The Who or the Beatles. I don't know if the Beatles did the Super Bowl. I might have made that one up. Uh, but the Who and like, you know, all these old style singers, finally young people, you know, Dr. Dre and Snoop. And then all of a sudden the people born between 1985 and 1995, which is after I was born, uh, realize that they're old. That was the joke that, you know, if you were born in 1985, you're old because you like Snoop Dogg and you like Dr. Dre and it's supposed to make you feel old. Okay. 
let me unpack this for a bit and do something I don't normally do. I'm not really big on, you know, kids today because I try to relate to everybody. But I got to be honest with you guys. Here's the thing. Progressively, since kind of the dawn of, you know, mainstream nationalized music, every generation has had tougher and harder music than the generation before them. You know, you had the 50s, you had Elvis, right? Elvis came out, he's gyrating his hips, he's making everybody think about sex. It was a huge deal. They couldn't show it on TV. Oh my God. And what did he replace? He replaced the 1940s, like, mammy, don't you know me, mammy? Like all those kind of old style, stupid, like swinging bebop, you know, um, not even swinging music at that point, but it was like that old school kind of somewhere over the rainbow nonsense, predating rock and roll. But then Elvis came out, and that generation had like tougher music. I loved Alan Sherman. You know, I still love Alan Sherman. This is before my time, but you know, the Camp Granada guy. And he used to sing as one of the older generation who hated the new generation. He had a song called I Hate the Beatles. And it was all about like how kids today and they do their dancing and it doesn't make any sense to him because it was this newfangled, kind of, you know, faster, swifter more sexualized music. So then you had Elvis. Now, after Elvis, you had the Beatles and you had like the drug culture. And all of a sudden, all the people from the 50s and the 40s, they were offended because it's like, oh my God, now these kids today, they're doing drugs and they're running around smoking the weed and doing the acid and, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So you had the 60s music, which is about that. And then the 70s came out and the 80s and everybody's talking about sex. And all of a sudden now it was sexualized content. Whereas, you know, let's spend the night together and all these things that used to be only kind of suggested were now out there and they were just being put into song form, you know, let's get it on and all that stuff. And Marvin Gaye and a lot of music was offending and shocking the previous generation. Right. And then eventually the late eighties came and the nineties and it was two live crew. Right. And it was, uh, you know, Eminem, Dr. Dre and all this hardcore music. And I remember being a kid in the eighties and reading mad magazine. Remember mad magazine, reading mad magazine, and Mad Magazine said, we feel bad for this generation coming up because they're going to have to find music that is loud and offensive to a generation of parents who listen to Metallica and, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the other ones, you know, Megadeth and you know, Judas Priest. Like, we're going to have to find music that's offensive to them. Well, guess what, Mad Magazine? Good news. They didn't. Because for some reason, this is the first generation ever where your music is corny. And I don't mean corny in that it's unlistenable because I like your music. Taylor Swift was out there. Taylor Swift, she makes me you know, dance and I'm in my car and I'm bopping along. But there is nothing hard about today's music at all. There's nothing offensive about today's music at all. Even like WAP or whatever, you know, that song, I'm not going to say what the, what the lyrics are, but that's kind of on par with what we had. That's two live crew. That's Tone Loke. It's the same kind of idea. You know, Funky Cold Medina, we did it already. This generation's music, this uh, One Direction, Nile Horn, Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber, you know, generation of music is not loud and it's not offensive. So you know what? Cool. Dr. Dre, Eminem, all them, they're supposed to be the ones that make me feel old. But if anything, they make me feel young because I realize that this music is still the most hardcore stuff there is because most people who like hardcore music... That's what we default back to. I mean, think about him. And you had, what's his face? Machine Gun Kelly, who I actually don't even think is that bad in terms of a singing, came out and he tried to diss Eminem and Eminem crucified Machine Gun Kelly. So that's the old guy. The old guy is out there slaying the young people today and all the music is what it is. I have my own theory on this. And I told somebody this the other day. 
I'll see what you guys think. Here's my opinion. As somebody who was born in the late 70s, early 80s, I came up through the last 20 years of the previous millennium. And I remember feeling like the world was going to end in 2000. It was the end of an era. It really felt that way. It wasn't even just the end of a century. You know, I never understood. We had read a story in school once about a little girl in the 1800s who felt the world was going to end in the year 1900. And I thought that was so stupid because it was like, what a weird, arbitrary year for it to end. But 2000 felt like, whoa, you know, it's the end of a thousand years, the big deal. And I think everyone felt that way. Because as the year 2000 approached, the world started to get tougher and more vile and in your face. Jerry Springer, the WWF attitude generation, Stone Cold Steve Austin flipping people off, Eminem, you know, just angry, violent, moshing music. And then the world didn't end. And the year 2000 came. And all of a sudden, it was the birth of a new time. And it felt like a new dawn. And now all of our music was dance music and the black-eyed peas and uh, pink. And everything's different. And this generation is this happy, dancing generation. American Idol, you know, that was all stuff after 2000. We couldn't have had that in the late 90s. If it had American Idol, there would have been fistfights on American Idol. We were angry, angry people. So you know what? Yeah, maybe the Super Bowl made you feel old. If it did, don't feel bad. You shouldn't feel old. If anything, you should feel tough because for some reason, that's the generation we came from. It's the generation where uh, you didn't necessarily get offended. It was a generation where you know you were prepared for people to hurt your feelings a little bit and you could counter with it. Uh, today is very different. So yeah, Super Bowl made you feel old, but it should also make you feel tough. You're tough people. We all are. Now, let's do the moment of sanity. This is your moment of sanity. This week's moment of sanity is brief and it's quick. And it's something that literally happened this morning. Um, Made me smile. I thought it was a a nice thing and I wanted to share it with you guys. Uh, It was before we went to school. I was getting my kids ready for school. And for some reason, we're always ready very early. I don't know why. My son gets up five o'clock in the morning. Uh, my daughter gets up at six. Nobody has to be anywhere until 7.30. And then he's like 8.30. So we have hours of whatever. So I get up, I feed them, I get everything ready. Um, and there's usually like half an hour of nothing. I lay on the couch, I go on my phone. I don't do anything. It's great. I don't know how it ends up like that. I guess just how it all worked out. I like having a morning like that where there's coffee, but there's also like, I'm never, I never, ever rush in the morning, ever. I don't know why. It's my, how my life is. I don't rush. I try to set it up where I don't have to rush. So this morning, my son, what we do is I have a projector in the sitting room where I project his videos on the wall. So it's this huge, giant video, and he loves it. It's his favorite thing to do. I give him uh, his breakfast. I put it on a little plate. I bring it out there. I put it on the ottoman. He sits on this recliner. He eats his waffle. He watches his projector show. He gets excited. He'll come and get me and clap. He watches Raffi. It's very exciting and very fun. So this morning, I'm, I'm in there, and I'm like, all right, let me get... I have extra time so I could do other stuff. So I went and I got chapstick because his lips get ridiculous. They get like so crusty that you have to really chapstick them. And I just bought these like expensive kind of, you know, variety pack of chapstick. So I go in there and it's the morning. You know, I just got up, not really moving around too much yet. And I lean over and I start putting chapstick on him. And all of a sudden, 
as I'm doing it, I guess I'm leaning a certain way. My back, this is, this is an old man statement. My back twists like right around where my spine is. And all of a sudden I can't stand anymore. I'm like, oh my God. And I'm down on the floor. Now I don't fall on the floor, but I took a knee and I sat. I'm like, oh my God. And we've all kind of gone through this where you don't know if you twisted yourself a certain way, it's a digestive thing or whatever it is, but you, you're in immense pain. You can't breathe in or anything like that. And for that split second, when you're on the floor, you're like, oh my God, am I done? Can I not move anymore? Am I, am I paralyzed? Is it? So I get on the floor, I'm like, oh my God. Now I don't scream. I don't want to make a big deal. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. So I sat and I'm on the floor and I'm trying to get myself kind of together. And I'm starting to realize, okay, I'm not, I, I'm going to be able to move eventually, but right now it's really bad and I can't get up. And as I'm sitting on the floor, so focused on myself, my son gets up and he walks over to me. And he just sits down next to me on the floor and we watch Rafi together. And I don't know, I thought it was like the sweetest thing I've ever <laughs> he's ever done it was such a nice nice moment and even there as i'm sitting there and i'm in immense pain i turn on like hey buddy like are you gonna sit with me thank you i thought it was like i don't know it was such a nice nice thing a little compassionate thing and i don't know i don't know if he knew i was in pain and was sitting there to comfort me or if he was like oh good idea let's sit on the floor but (laughs) so him and i sat on the floor we watched rafi and you know i'm sitting there and my back is in pain and he's tapping me on the shoulder and he's clapping at certain parts waiting for me to sing along so i'm i'm in pain and i'm just like singing along to rafi with him uh and eventually after a few minutes i was able to walk around a little bit but i loved it i love things like that because as as the parent to a special needs child that's something that I didn't think he would ever be like and something that I didn't think was possible for a child with autism. And once again, every step of the way, my son surprises me uh, and gives me a reason to be proud and to be happy uh, and to give me hope that, you know, as he grows up, he's going to have compassion. He's going to be able to relate to people and he's not, autism doesn't mean you're closed off into your own world. And I think a lot of parents worry about that when their children are young. I mean, there's a chance different people have different personality characteristics. There's people who don't have autism who are closed off into their own world. So it's life. It's the way it goes. But um, I've done a lot with my son to try to make him relate to people. And, and hopefully this was a good sign today. It really made me happy. Uh, made me smile. So I wanted to share that with you guys. And yeah, been a pretty good day. And that does it for me. Thank you once again for joining me here on High Pod I'm Dad. Join me every single week on any streaming service or highpodomdad.com. Uh, be back Monday and Wednesday on High Blog I'm Dad. Dot com for all new blog entries twice a week. Thank you. Until next time, this is James Gutman saying, be well. Bye, pod. I'm done.